the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. If we are to get the biblical view on this, the right view, what is God's view on, on sexual expression, we, we need to be able to yield our hearts to what is God's perspective on this matter. And God's perspective on matter, when you basically look at the sum total of Scripture here, and using this as kind of the launching pad for, for the rest of our study, is this. Faithfulness in marriage, abstinence in singleness. This is the Bible's view on sexual expression. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Proverbs. Pastor Gary teaches us Proverbs lessons on sexuality. We are taught the dire need to respect sexuality as a sacred thing and learn that sex is to be exclusive between two whom are married. As such, it becomes clear that single Christians are to remain abstinent and that those whom are married are to remain loyal to their spouse. If you have a past of sexual immorality, know that God will forgive you and show you grace. Pursue a life of sexual morality, and you will find a peace and purity which will bring great blessing to your life. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, with part one of his message, Sexuality in Proverbs. For today, we are here in Proverbs chapter 7, and as we've been making our way through the book of Proverbs over the last couple of weeks and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this book thematically. We're going to look at different themes that are revealed to us uh, through the book of Proverbs, and today's theme is indeed on the topic of sexuality. So I'm going to read here from chapter 7, starting at verse 6, and reading down through the end of the chapter. Proverbs 7, starting at verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. 
Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Well, the book of Proverbs, and in particular chapters 5, 6, and 7, deal with this topic, as does really many places in all of the Bible, the topic of sexuality. And uh, in in the opening passage that I read here in chapter 7, it describes a foolish, likely a single young man who lacks judgment, who is seduced by a married woman who deliberately, intentionally entices him with her charm and smooth talk and good looks. Uh, She tells this young man that we learn in the passage that her husband has gone away on a trip And so her home is empty, and so she persuades this young man in verse 18 by saying to him, come, let's drink deep of love till morning, let's enjoy ourselves with love. Well, it's not love at all. In reality, it is lust, but nevertheless, he takes the bait. And in verse 22, it says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Now, this is a familiar story, unfortunately, on many levels among many people. This is a story that describes countless people. It's a story of lust and pleasure and seduction and betrayal, but it is also a story of pain and heartache and consequences and regret. And given all the recent attention in the media to sexual indiscretion and sexual harassment in in the workplace and all kinds of sexual confusion in our world today, I think this is a a timely topic we've come to here in our journey through the Bible and in our journey in particular through the book of Proverbs. Because we live in such a sexually charged culture with very little sexually defined boundaries, there is a lot of confusion in our world on this topic, and a lot of pain that accompanies that confusion. It is the natural result, okay, all the confusion and the pain is a natural result of a culture that has disregarded in large part, not entirely, but disregarded in large part, uh, anyone or anything telling them or defining for them what is right or what is wrong concerning their sexuality. But we have an advantage here in the church. We have an advantage on this topic because we have the wisdom from God revealed through the Bible on this topic so that we might be able to better understand and experience sex as the gift that God intended and that we might, therefore, when we receive and understand his intention for us, practice it his way and do things according to his prescription in relation to this topic so that we can avoid as much as possible the needless pain 
and the, the heartache and broken marriages and wrecked families and STDs and a whole host of other problems that accompany wrong sexual behavior. So if we, if we would really just press into God and see what he has to say about this wonderful gift that he's given us and practice it his way and understand his intention, then this can be an enjoyable gift that he's given us. Otherwise, if we try to go the way of the world and we just try to do things related to the topic of sexuality the way that the world defines it, which doesn't have much definition, there's just a lot of whatever you feel like and however you identify and, and whatever is your pleasure, all these kind of things that have ended up causing tremendous heartache, wrecked homes, wrecked lives and left a lot of people in confusion in the wake of all this, of all this mess. So we, we have this advantage as a church, friends. We, we have the Bible. We have the ability to look into Scripture, to see God's intention, to understand what wisdom He has for us on this topic so that, so that we can properly discipline ourselves in this area. And Proverbs gives us some wisdom on this subject. But we must begin this discussion with some humility because in any crowd this size, there is always the potential for any of us to fail in the area of our sexuality as far as it would displease God. We all have either the potential or we have already failed in this area of, of our sexuality according to God's standard. And this is where the discussion needs to start. What is God's standard? What does he say about sexuality? What does he say about this as a gift? What does he say in terms of what is right and what is wrong related to our sexuality? Now, this is not going to be an all-encompassing teaching, okay? I'm, I'm not, I don't have time for, nor, nor am I going to get into all the various topics associated with this subject. There's a lot of confusion along the lines of gender identity, sexual orientation, and, and all of that. So I'm not going to spend time on that today. I've done that in other teachings. But for the purpose of today's discussion, when we look at the book of Proverbs, the Bible comes at this topic from one particular angle. And the particular angle that God is taking on this topic here is on the uh, basis of heterosexuality between a man and a woman and understanding our sexuality, whether we are single or married. So that's the angle that the Bible takes on this topic. That's the angle I'm going to take on this topic, and I'm not going to address all, all the other various components of this topic. We're, we're looking at this from the standpoint of heterosexuality and singleness and, and being married and how we are to discipline ourselves in this area that we might enjoy God's gift to the fullest and walk in an honorable way so as not to dishonor him or disgrace him in some ways related to this gift that he's given us, okay? Now, in order to start at that place, I'd like you to go back here in Proverbs, we're in Proverbs, but go back to chapter 2, if you would, please, because I have to define something about marriage as it relates to sex from chapter 2 of Proverbs, and I'm going to point out to you, starting at verse 12 of chapter 2, this verse, Proverbs 2 Verse 12, it says, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. Okay, so underline that word wisdom. We need wisdom on this topic. You know, the, the counsel of the world is very different from the counsel of the Bible on this subject. And you're going to have to decide whose counsel you're going to follow. I settled it years ago that I'm going to follow the counsel of God because as I look at the world in which we live, how's that going for people? Right? So I don't think that the counsel of the world offers our culture 
a, a reasonable way to express your sexuality. I think it's very confusing. I, I think, you know, the answer to the culture seems to be just what, whatever you feel like doing, however you identify yourself. Whatever, and there's all this ambiguity, confusion, and it's, it's left people in a lot of pain and confusion themselves. So I've opted years ago to look at, okay, what does God say about this? He, he's given it as a gift, and so how can we understand it and enjoy it? And he says, Solomon says to us there in Proverbs 2.12, wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men. Now, jump down to verse 16, still there in Proverbs 2, verse 16, it will save you also, okay, wisdom, Understanding God's wisdom on this subject will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Now, circle the word covenant in your Bible or highlight it in your electronic Bibles because that's an important word to understand about sex and marriage. Now, before I go further on this, I just, I just want to make this statement. You'll notice that in what I just read there from Proverbs 2, it speaks about the wayward wife, the adulteress, and it puts a lot of the burden on this topic on a woman. And you'll notice throughout Proverbs that sexual immorality is, also, is often personified as a woman. But I don't want you ladies to take offense at that. Here's, you have to understand what's going on. Solomon is writing advice to his son. Now, Solomon didn't always heed his own advice, but he's writing to a son. So he's going to talk to a son about the potential of being seduced by a woman. But you, you can interject the idea of a man being a, a seductor, uh, like a woman being a seductress. A man can be someone who entices. A woman can be... So, so you know, it's not supposed to exclusively be saying that only women are the ones who sexually seduce. It's just in the context of a father writing to a son, okay? But it should be seen in both contexts. A man can be a, a seductor. A woman can be a seductress and vice versa. But what this passage tells us here is that this, in, this context, in this particular context, this woman has forsaken uh, the covenant that she made with God. That's an important word in your Bibles, covenant. In Hebrew, it is the word berith. And berith means to cut because a covenant often, not always, but often was signed with a blood covenant. It was a blood covenant agreement. Now, a covenant is much weightier than a contract. A contract is when two people come together, you agree on the terms, and you both sign on the dotted line. A covenant is unidirectional. And it was often in the Bible a pact that God made with people. So it was, it was one directional. And it was sometimes a covenant that people made with God, and it was sometimes a covenant people made with each other. But it was not something that you could break because of the fine print. This was binding. It was a pact. It was a promise. And again, a covenant often was accompanied by some kind of a blood element. And marriage is, as we see there, a covenant before God. And it actually is a blood covenant before God. And I'll get to that in, in just a moment. But first, understand God has called marriage a covenant because of the sacredness of this union between a man and a woman. And as a gift, God has given sex to be enjoyed in the context of that union between a husband and a wife for their pleasure and procreation. That's the ultimate reason that God gave sex as a gift 
in a marriage between a man and a woman for pleasure and procreation. This is Genesis 2.24. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There will be a physical consummation of that union. There will be a sexual intimacy as a gift that God has given to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. But it is a covenant. And you see, in the Old Testament, if you experienced that gift outside of the union of marriage, it was grounds for capital punishment. If a man or a woman experienced a sexual expression outside of the confines of marriage, it was grounds for capital punishment. You could be killed for this. Now, you remember, even in the New Testament, you see how this is played out in John chapter 8. You don't need to turn there, but many of you are familiar with this story where some Pharisees and teachers of the law were trying to trap Jesus and were trying to discredit Jesus. And so they, they find this woman, they catch this woman in adultery, in the act of adultery, and they haul her before Jesus in the courtyard area there in Jerusalem. And they ask him, they put him on the spot, what do you think we should do about this woman? She's caught in the act of adultery. The law requires that she should be stoned. What do you say? Now, they were asking this because they wanted to see, will Jesus be soft on sin or will he be hard on the law? And so they ask him, what should be done? This is that moment where Jesus stoops down and he begins to write in in the dirt. Remember that scene? And and nobody really knows what did he write in the dirt. Some people say he's writing the Ten Commandments so that these guys who are accusing a woman will get convicted themselves. I heard one commentator say maybe maybe he's, you know, writing all the names of the guys who are also guilty of adultery. We don't know what he was writing. You know, maybe he's just killing time so he can pray. I don't really know. But at the end of it, he, he stands up and he says to the crowd who have brought this woman to him, you who are without sin... Go ahead and cast the first stone at her. I mean, what, what a brilliant thing to say. It's just like, you are without sin. Go ahead, cast the first stone. And the Bible says they began to peel away one by one. The Bible says the older ones first. You understand, right? The older you are, the more you're aware of your sin because you've sinned more. And so the older guys are like, ah, yeah. And they put the rock down and they walk away. And then when there's no one there, Jesus stands with this woman who's left alone now with him. And he says, woman, where are your, conde- where are your condemners? Who is here to condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. No one is here to condemn you. And he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Now, if he stopped there, then he could be accused of being soft on sin. But he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So it's not that Jesus is soft on sin. It's that he's strong on grace. And that he, what he wants her to know is that she's forgiven. But then he puts the extra responsibility on her and he says, now I I want you to walk in that forgiveness and don't, don't, don't do this again. Honor God in sexual purity. Okay, so I want to make sure that in this teaching that I mention this story up front because I want everybody to know in the room, whether you've committed sexual sin or not, we are all in need of God's grace and his forgiveness. And if in particular you have committed sexual sin, and we'll define that in just a moment, I just want you to hear that story again, that God is a forgiving God and a gracious God, and he forgives us, and he wipes the slate clean. So everyone should know that right up front. God is a gracious God, and he forgives us of our sins, including sexual sin, and then he wants us to walk in holiness to honor him in sexual purity. 
So receive that forgiveness if you're in need of that and know that you have a gracious, loving Father who forgives you of sin and then walk in holiness to honor him. How is it then, back to my original question, that marriage is a covenant, a blood covenant before God? In the Old Testament, when a couple was about to be married, the parents of the bride would give the couple, as a wedding gift, fresh bed linens. And then that couple would consummate their marriage, physically consummate the marriage. When there was the physical consummation of a marriage and the woman was a virgin, the act of penetration would sometimes cause a little bit of bleeding. There's a provision in Deuteronomy chapter 22, you don't need to turn there, but it's provision that God gave so that the woman should never be falsely accused of losing her virginity before marriage. And here's how it would work. If the husband, after his wedding night, were to make the accusation that his wife was not a virgin, the parents of the bride would gather up the bed linens, which would typically, in the day, have some spotting of blood, a little bit, as evidence, Deuteronomy 22 says, they would present the bedsheets to the elders of the city as evidence of her virginity, the token of her virginity. The blood was actually a sign of the covenant, and at the same time, it expressed her innocence. And then Deuteronomy 22 says, if then they presented the evidence of her virginity with the bedsheets, then the husband who made the false accusations was, he was punished, and he had, he was required to marry her and never divorce her. It was a way of protecting her from being shamed or disgraced or worse, killed. So it is a covenant before God. Now, in case you don't know, we need to also state, we're under new covenant now. Jesus dies on a cross, dies for our sins. We are no longer stoned to death for sexual sin, okay? That said, what the Old Testament reveals to us, even though now the same punishment is not in effect, because the punishment intended for us was put on Christ on the cross, right? So he paid the price in full for our sin. That's why we can come to him, be forgiven, and not have to suffer the same punishment or sin. It was in the Old Testament to communicate to us in a variety of subjects, but in this particular topic, God's view of something. And his view of sex is that it is a sacred gift that must be cherished that it is a sacred gift to be cherished and to be enjoyed in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. And so, if we are to get the biblical view on this, the right view, what is God's view on, on sexual expression, we, we need to be able to yield our hearts to what is God's perspective on this matter. And God's perspective on matter, when you basically look at the sum total of Scripture here, and using this as kind of the launching pad for, for the rest of our study, is this. Faithfulness in marriage, abstinence in singleness. This is the Bible's view on sexual expression. If you're married, to be faithful. If you're single, to abstain. Until such time that God might bring along that person that you should marry, and then you can enjoy it as a gift from God. Now, I know some of you are like, like you're like, what? And some people just don't know this. And so, you know, there's a lot of people out of ignorance who don't understand God's intention and God's best and God's plan and purpose for your lives. And on this topic, there's some people who don't understand. So I'm just trying to communicate this clearly. Although I know this causes some people to really be 
grieved. Like, seriously? As we study the book of Proverbs here on Cornerstone Connection, we'll discover that God is interested in more than just the big picture. God desires that every area of our lives, even the tiny details, to reflect His power and purpose. This is what we learn as we study these practical nuggets of truth which apply to all areas of our lives. If you'd like to access more of these messages from the book of Proverbs, you'll be able to do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We've compiled a library of many of Pastor Gary's teachings there, and we invite you to listen to, download, or share any of them. Did you know you can even take them with you on the go? Cornerstone Connection has a mobile app designed to bring you God's Word whenever and wherever you are. You'll find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The app allows you to stay connected to us by sharing prayer requests, visiting our website, or checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can even join us live each weekend at Cornerstone Chapel, right from your smart device. Again, that app can be found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time is up for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the book of Proverbs right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.